right, it is Friday, June 4th, 2021, and this is the Fight Business Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Ogier. Today's going to be a bit of a shorter one, but we are going to cover some important topics. One, Endeavor's Q1 earnings call for 2021, their first earnings call since they've gone public. We're going to dive into the details of the call, exactly just how well they did compared to their previous financial performance that we know about. Uh, what we can read into in terms of future plans based on what Ari Emanuel said on the call, things like that. And then secondly, we're going to talk about Tyron Woodley versus Jake Paul, not predictions, none of that stuff, but the business side of how Woodley was able to negotiate this contract and the threat of substitutes to MMA, specifically the UFC. So we'll have timestamps at the bottom as always. And I do apologize that this is a day later than normal, but if you hear dripping in the background, that's my roof. My roof has had some leaking issues. So that's super fun. That's why I'm also recording back in the old space because the space I had moved to is now just a big pile of wet. So fun times, fun times had by all. But enough about that. Let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, so first up, let's talk about Endeavor's Q1 earnings for 2021. So they actually posted a positive net income of 2.4 million, which is great because that's not the case what they did a year ago in the first quarter with a net loss of $51 million. So that's a, that's a pretty big swing, especially for a company that, as I've mentioned, as other business reporters have mentioned, has really, you know, not looked good in terms of debt to revenue ratios, um, really struggled during the pandemic because so much of their assets were based around live events, but almost all of the revenue for Q1 and what really propelled them into a slim, you know, profit was the UFC. So as we mentioned before, the UFC is the crown jewel of Endeavor's portfolio. That's part of the reason why they were so aggressive in terms of trying to buy out the other partners of KKR and Silver Lake because there was the UFC IPO clauses um, in the old contract that could have allowed either one of those partners to call for a UFC IPO and Endeavor really needs that revenue for themselves. They need to be able to you know, put that in their umbrella when they make those consolidated financial statements. They need to have the UFC there so that they can push things to be in the black rather than in the red. So when you look at this, what this tells us, especially because we know that 90 to 95%, somewhere in that range of the own sports properties umbrella of Endeavor's revenue is made up of the UFC, right? They have professional bull riding, they have a Euro basketball league, but those got hammered and are still kind of on the rebound from COVID. So we know it's around 95% or so of the UFC making up the own sports properties numbers. That's what was able to propel Endeavor into a, a profit. And that is more of a look at how well the UFC did in this first quarter rather than the rest of the company. Because Looking through, you know, part of what we learned on the earnings call here, right? Um, in terms of their other business units, they were still, they still fell. They still fell quite a bit. Let me look it up here to give you guys some exact numbers. Um, 
So own, own sports properties, which the UFC again makes up 95% or so, rose by more than 22% year over year to 283.5 million. So that's pretty much all again, just the UFC just bumping up their revenue, their EBITDA. Um, John Nash again did that finance piece. If you want to break down into those specific numbers of what the UFC did, I talked about it a little bit last week, but that he's his article, of course, has more details on that. But that again is just really all the UFC. So the UFC really had a successful 2020 and that's carried that through to the first quarter of 2021. But when you're looking at these other segments of the business, um, you know, it, it's the representation side, which remember Endeavor was originally, you know, William Morris Endeavor representation for athletes like Tom Brady and uh, Venus Williams and, you know, really more of an agency sports agent and agency than anything else. Representation f revenue fell by 15% to $248.9 million. And the company's events experience and rights segment fell by 19% to $539.6 million. So important side note here, if you didn't catch that, is that own sports properties, which is most of the UFC, rose $283 million. The other two segments fell and... Representation is still, you know, 248 million, so 40 million less than owned sports properties. And live events experiences, all that is 539.6 million, almost double, not quite, but almost double what the owned sports properties segment did. And the owned sports, pro owned sports property segment rose 22%, while this fell by 19. That is very important. Because a lot of people, right? And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people are saying, oh, Endeavor, that's, you know, UFC. Even Dana White took to Instagram and said, you know, we're officially public. All that whole thing. It, there's a lot of marketing out there that is equating the UFC to Endeavor. But when you look at the actual numbers, right? The own sports properties makes up somewhere, you know, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, I'm not calculating it, but somewhere between 25 and 30% of that overall revenue. You add up 248, 283, 539, you get you know, 1.1 billion or so. 283 of that is around, you know, that's that's a very small segment. That's, that's less, <coughs> less than 33% than of the company is made up of the UFC. The rest of that giant conglomerate that Endeavor is requires all of their other pieces and is heavily debt leveraged. And the other two segments, again, fell quite a bit year over year. That is an issue. When people talk about, you know, the dire straits that Endeavor is in financially, when I've talked about looking through Endeavor's books before they bought out the rest of the UFC and, you know, basically seeing like, this is what they're producing. This is how they're, you know, doing part of the reason why their first IPO failed is, is things like that. That is very important because without the UFC, they would have been a net loss. They even admit that on the call, right? Ari basically says that. So, so few words. So that is crucial 
Endeavor does not equal the UFC. UFC makes up less than a third of Endeavor. Remember that. Now, other key takeaways from this call. Some things on the good side. On location experiences, which is a segment of Endeavor that does like VIP treatments and things like that. They do it for the Super Bowl, whatever. Announced a pretty big deal. And I mean, very big deal, really. When the International Olympic Committee named it the exclusive service provider for the 2024, 2026, and 2028 Olympic Games. Which means that On Location will manage transportation, accommodations, hospitality, tickets, and experiences for attendees and stakeholders, including friends and families of the athletes. This is similar to what they do for the Super Bowl and the PGA, but remember, the Olympics are a lot longer, right? PGA Championships, a couple game, a couple days, right? Around there, maybe a week. Super Bowl, you know, they have a week of, of things, even though they only have the Super Bowl on Sunday. There's, you know, probably a week or so of, of different activities. Olympics, that's a month or more, you know? That, that's a lot of revenue for them, especially for a giant event like that. And to lock up three consecutive Olympics is a very big deal. And if they do well, maybe they're able to extend past 2028. That's huge for them. That's very, very good for them. Because again, they're, they're profitable. By the skin of their teeth, they were profitable in Q1. And really just thanks to the UFC. But a lot of what they've been banking on by going public is getting the money to buy out the rest of the UFC to keep that kind of crown jewel intact and then being able to get other capital to do further mergers and acquisitions and looking at more companies like On Location. And as that snowballs, or what they hope snowballs, they get the rest of their segments up to speed, overall revenue increases, stock price goes up, et cetera, et cetera. Right? That's, that's really what their goal is. So, and, and Emmanuel even says, we continue to look for strategic M&A, which is mergers and acquisitions and organic growth, specifically focusing on businesses that bolt on to our existing portfolio. So they're really, again, just trying to find these adjacent markets and adjacent companies that they can grab onto and use their current capabilities and synergies with so that they'll have a competitive advantage when they move into said market or go up against competitors. If you want the whole competitor advantage embedded, uh, sorry, competitive advantage breakdown for the UFC that I did last week, check that out because that will help explain what I just said if that all sounded like you know, business gobbledygook to you. <laughs> but a, a quote here, again, to wrap up this earnings call, a quote here I want to focus on is there isn't a trend positively impacting the sports and entertainment landscape that we aren't ben benefiting from. Company know that it's expanding its sports betting business, providing programming and talent to streaming services, and exploring new technologies like NFTs in its UFC business. The way that Endeavor has positioned itself 
is it's really trying to encompass all of sports and entertainment. Right. If, if some, you have any type of sports entertainment experience, I'm not talking like WWE stuff. I'm talking like, you know, again, special VIP things for the Super Bowl or, you know, streaming behind the scene content for your favorite basketball players or fighters, things like that. They are, are trying to get their hands in. They're, they're really trying to become that mega company that when you think about sports, it's endeavor, right? The behind the scenes of sports, it's endeavor. That's really what they want to do. They'd have the UFC probably as its face in terms of, again, everybody knows the UFC and yes, it's endeavor owned company. And that's, you know, it's what we do, but then they really want to be that giant overarching mega company in the background, similar to Amazon, right? Amazon, everybody knows Amazon does shipping. That's what they were known for it's a huge part of it long time ago it was all about books right but now think about all the crazy stuff that amazon does in the background aws web services i mean they just about everything you can think of that has to do with logistics or you know back-end hosting things like amazon has got kind of something to do with Endeavor kind of wants that for the sports and entertainment industry. That's what I read into that quote. And based on, again, other other things that Ari said, they're really trying to become this giant mega corporation, the Amazon of the sports entertainment industry. That's why they've got streaming. That's why they've got live events. That's why they own the UFC. That's why they have all these different things. That's what they're aiming for. Well, they get there, well, way too early to tell. And right now, not in the best position for it. But they did offer forward-looking guidance to um, expecting revenue in 2021 to be between 4.76 and 4.83 billion, and they also expected to reduce its debt by 600 million dollars in Q3. Also, a critical note because reducing your debt usually involves right? Paying, paying down debt through profits. And how do you increase profits? Well, in a case like the UFC, you got media rights, all that, but cutting costs, all about cutting costs. It's the easiest internal way to help boost your profits, something within your control too, right? Hard to control parts of the market that you're selling to customers. You can't really control customer trends and fads. You know, look at the housing market. That's a great example of you can't control when that housing market's going to be red hot and when it's going to just kind of die down. You don't have that control of the customers. You can try and push them to certain, you know, direction, but can't really control that. But internally, you can decide who has a job, who you're paying, what your costs are, all of that. And so will this affect fighters getting cut? I'd imagine yes. I imagine it all trickles back down to, you know, I don't think it'll be a huge round of cuts necessarily, but I, I think, again, you're going to see some more veterans get the ax by Q3 because, you know, if they can cut their costs, get a higher profit, and then use that profit to pay down their debt, well, that helps them meet that goal of reducing their debt by $600 million 
So don't be shocked if we end up with, sorry, I think I got flying. <laughs> I know, very prof professional today, folks. Super profesh. Um, <clears throat> but don't be shocked if you see bigger fighter cuts coming. I would not be shocked at all. And I'm not talking like big, big guys, but, you know, again, similar to what we've seen in the past of name guys that were somewhere in the middle, somewhere maybe journeymen, that type of thing. Don't be shocked if they get cut because I expect that between now and September or October in that range. All right. Next thing I want to focus on here. I'm really the last thing for today is Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul situation. I know you're probably sick and tired of hearing it. If you're not about this match, if you like the match, you're probably amped as hell about all the coverage it's getting. But Malki Kawa, who manages Tyron Woodley, did an interview where he talked about hammering out this deal, trying to get it done, says he was, you know, negotiating with Jake Paul's manager since the Askren fight. And, you know, it was a long and arduous process, all of that. But both him and Woodley himself have said that this is the biggest payday of Woodley's career, that Woodley is getting guaranteed millions in base pay, has the potential, I think, for, you know, tens of millions, hypothetically here. This is important because Woodley was a former UFC champion, would have gotten pay-per-view points in several pay-per-views that he defended the belt on. And he was also the co-main event of UFC 205, which was headlined by Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez, one of the biggest UFC pay-per-views of all time. Now, we know from the antitrust lawsuit that at least up through 2016, the highest payout, including pay-per-view points was $8 million to a fighter. And we know that's probably, you know, Brock Lesnar or Rousey. I'm not sure which one I forget. Um, one of, I think it's Rousey, but <clears throat> McGregor, you know, obviously came along and, and as he ascended, probably, broke that mode a little bit, but it's obviously not, you know, tens of millions of dollars for most of these guys, pretty much all of them that, that are not named Conor McGregor. The fact that Woodley is able to do this, to go over to boxing and make this type of money against a YouTube star, it, it shows that the threat of substitutes in combat sports to MMA really right now is very real. And let me break down what the threat of substitutes are. So I'm not going to go into the entire business cadence like I did last time. Um, in terms of breaking down competitive advantage, I may do that eventually with this, but this is going to be kind of high level and sort of all over the place, but you'll get the point. Threat of substitutes is essentially when 
you know, the price or quantity of a certain product goes up, a substitute, which is has some features or is kind of like the product, but not quite the product itself, also goes up with it and can take away part, part of the market share, right? Um, easiest example is laptops, right? And tablets, even smartphones. If laptop demand increases where people are really trying to get on laptops, uh, something's happened, we're, we're moving COVID. Everybody needs to be work from home. We need to get them laptops, all that stuff. Lap tablets and smartphones, less so, but tablets more so, are almost certainly also going to increase in quantity because they are price elastic. So as laptops go up and the need for, for laptops go up, the quantity for tablets also go up because people see it as an alternative to get some of the features they need without needing a full laptop, without spending as much money on a laptop or a, or a desktop, right? That's a really simple way of looking at substitutes. In combat sports, what's happening here is as the demand for not necessarily combat sport events, right? It's really not combat sport events. We have plenty of MMA cards. We have plenty of boxing cards. We have, yeah, you know, some karate cards, things like that. We, we've got enough combat sports out there. So it's not that. But what it kind of is, is a substitute in terms of a superstar, a combat sport standout, right? Think about it. Anthony Joshua. A lot of people that don't normally watch boxing definitely tuned in to see him fight Andy Ruiz and especially the rematch with Andy Ruiz after the huge upset. He's a big enough name that he was able to draw those people in. Similarly to how I'm sure a lot of boxing people didn't watch MMA, but McGregor's stepping up and fighting before his last couple losses, they say, all right, well, yeah, I want to check this guy out. Go back to the whole pay-per-view model with casual viewers, semi-casual, all of that. We're talking about semi-casual guys here or guys that may are maybe be really be into boxing, not so much into MMA, but they're going to tune into certain MMA fighters, especially if they've got enough of an aura to draw to them, right? And especially if boxing doesn't have a lot of other stuff going on. In terms of superstars, if you think about it right now, MMA is kind of lacking. Right? The UFC has McGregor. They have Adesanya. John Jones' whole thing is he's not fighting. That's, that's going on. Other than those two, you don't really have active guys fighting. And the fact that McGregor lost to Poirier after such a long layoff again and has lost a couple in a row now, you know, well, at 155 anyway, says a lot. Because that does kind of hurt the semi-casual viewer. The, the people that watch other combat sports or maybe focus primarily on boxing or karate or whatever, that tune into McGregor or Adesanya, and then they watch McGregor lose a couple of times to the top guys at 155, they know enough about the sport that they say, ah, yeah, okay, 
casuals may get turned off and say, yeah, he doesn't have it. He's whatever. But casuals were just tuning in because, oh, it's Conor McGregor. They don't really watch combat sports. But other combat sports enthusiasts where MMA is not the main go-to, they probably know. They look at them and they say, okay, yeah, that's fine, but he's not really a star anymore. Those guys, those semi-casual fans are the ones that are more likely to look at McGregor and say, yeah, he's not a star anymore. He's not really the big shot anymore compared to the pure casual viewer who still recognizes McGregor as a star because it's the only MMA person they know. So you've got Adesanya there too, who lost to Jan. And, and that hurts his drawing capability a little bit too. I'm a huge kickboxing guy or Muay Thai guy, and I don't really care for, you know, a Lithway guy, and I don't really care for MMA that much, but I want to see Izzy fight because Izzy is just incredible at striking. And then I watch him lose to Jan like that. I'll say, okay, well, yeah, all right. And probably just go back to my other sports. So that leaves this kind of lack of superstars. Boxing's struggled with this for a while. You've got Fury who came back, you know, had the fights with Wilder, and, you know, they tried to get the Joshua fight, which would have been very big. But boxing has kind of lost a lot of its drawing power in general, whereas the UFC has been on the rise. MMA, but the UFC specifically, has been on the rise. And now their top guys are gone. Enter Jake Paul. I hate that I'm saying these words, but I know it's true that Jake Paul is the biggest star in combat sports right now. It's a fact. It's a straight up fact, right? Go look on any of the major MMA media sites right now. Any one of them. MMA fighting, MMA junkie, Bloody Elbow, uh, whatever else I'm, I'm missing, MMA Mania, there's, there's plenty. I'm sure I'm missing some more. There is at least one Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley story on the front. In some cases, it's that's the majority of them. I think fighting right now is like four or five. It's like pretty much the whole front page is just Jake Paul versus Woodley. Junkie, similarly. Right. Both of them have MMA in the beginning of their names <laughs> and they're covering Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. And yes, Woodley is a former UFC welterweight champion, but they're doing that for a reason, right? It's not even a, a dig at them. They're doing it because it's getting a ton of attention because the click rates and all of the other stuff that help those sites thrive nowadays. It's getting a ridiculous amount of attention and it's not Woodley. It, it was not, everybody was not posting up stories about Woodley versus Luke. Yeah. You had a blurb here, or there for sure. You had interviews. Yes, of course. Woodley's not the draw here and everybody knows it. It's Jake Paul. It's a YouTube star who has managed to knock out 
a basketball player, another YouTuber, and Ben Askren. He's by far the biggest draw in combat sports right now. And without other stars to go to, or stars that have kind of not performed as well as, you know, these semi-casual fans have hoped, here's Jake Paul, who's actually knocking out people. Right? Anyway, he cut it. He knocked out Ben Askren. But a lot of people wrote him off. A lot of people did not. A lot of people did, though. And that attention and his his antics, right? Paul's antics of grabbing Floyd Mayweather's hat and doing gotcha hat merchandise, all that stuff. That is that is a huge part of it as well. Mayweather boxing Logan. Jake Paul's brother. Massive as well. It's He's the biggest draw in combat sports right now. And because of that, that is a substitute that more people are willing to go to. And the danger for the UFC here is, right? It's not about losing their fans or their market share or anything like that, because that's not going to happen. They're going to be fine. But the, the real danger here comes with Tyron Woodley's contract with what Ben Askren could have negotiated in terms of fighter pay. Because more and more fighters are now you see how many fighters have called out Jake Paul? It's like McGregor. It, I hate to say it, but go, you look through some of these articles, you look through some of these other things. It's just like what happened when McGregor rose to prominence. You had tons of people calling him out. Everybody you could think of was calling out McGregor. Paul is now the new guy. And the danger becomes that when Tyron Woodley ends up getting paid to fight Jake Paul, even if he loses, and he walks away and he talks about how much money he made and how he's so happy and all that stuff, that's going to really sting on the fighter side. And we've talked before about fighters' lack of unionization, their lack of trying to get together to fight, all this stuff. But this is a tangible example they can look to of someone that they knew was a champion we're not even talking top five rank and then never quite got the belt we're talking about a champion on some of the biggest pay-per-view cards in the company's history and yet he's making more money to fight a youtuber It's, it's an interesting situation. The good news is on the UFC side that because Paul is already this massive draw when he's still so young in his boxing career and you don't really know his, you know, how good he's actually is, it, it can be written off in a lot of ways, right? Similar to McGregor of, oh, you want the big money fight? You got to fight McGregor. If you fight anybody else in. Eh. Same type of thing here. Oh, you can go over to boxing, but are you going to make that type of money if you fight an actual boxer? Well, no. And they can point to that. 
but the top guys in the UFC have to be a little perturbed. Any guy that just beat Tyron Woodley in his last several losses has got to be a little bit irked that Woodley is now getting a massive, massive payday while they're still either trying to get a title shot or trying to get another crack at the title. Usman must be a little upset, right? He, he talked a little bit to Jake Paul and he kind of, he called it, called him out a bit. Why not? Why wouldn't you? It, it, it's got to be infuriating because Usman has the belt and is locked into a contract and cannot go fight Paul. But Woodley, who just fought out his last fight on the contract and lost several of his last fights, is now making more money than him. A guy that he dominated is going to go out there and fight someone who is far, far easier to beat than some of the top welterweights in, in the well, you know, UFC. And yet he's he's making more money. Woodley's making a lot more money. Now, again, with the threat of substitutes here, and I'm not going to go into the super business side of it, but this isn't going to affect the UFC's bottom line that much, or it shouldn't, right? But as we mentioned earlier, Endeavor desperately needs all of the profit they can get. And even a little bit getting taken away because of a focus on YouTube boxing fights or fighters trying to angle for more money because they're saying, you know, let me go, or I can go fight this YouTuber or what have you, or, you know, that type of thing. Shifting the focus away so more people are looking at what Jake Paul is doing and who he's fighting versus the UFC's product, especially when they're doing a fight night like tomorrow's fight night, which isn't exactly, you know, pumped full of name value. It, it It's not great. In this type of situation where Endeavor needs every penny the UFC can get, any hit to the bottom line is a problem for the overall company and by association, the UFC. So we'll see what happens here. We'll see how the fight with Woodley and Paul goes. And we'll really take a look at the fallout from this and see if, if especially if Paul gets past Woodley, don't be shocked if you have a lot of fighters angling for not just fights with Jake Paul, but for more money or boxing crossover, right? Because it's got to be infuriating. It's got to be so infuriating. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it's it's quite the odd situation. And don't be shocked. I hate to say this. Don't be shocked if Jake Paul beats Tyron Woodley. It becomes even more apparent and more so mimics the Conor McGregor situation of 2016 when Conor rose to the ranks. And that's your star power substitute over in boxing. That's really what it is. Because there is no real tangible big star over in MMA right now 
don't be shocked if, you know, the fact he's even signed to Showtime Boxing tells you a lot about where Paul is. But don't be shocked if that continues to grow if he gets past Woodley. Even if he loses to Woodley, I think he'll probably get at least one more fight with a lot of eyes on him. Unless he just gets, like, destroyed if Woodley just cleans his clock in round one or something. But if he has any sort of competitive fight with Woodley, win or lose, that's still going to be there. It's still going to be a viable star power substitute until the UFC or another promotion finds a new star that they can pump up because they right now they are lacking severely. And while they're safe from a revenue standpoint because they've really moved off of the variable revenue to or fixed revenue, it still will affect that slight variable revenue bottom line. And that's a problem right now for a parent company that needs every penny they can get. So there you have it, folks. I'm. You can ask me questions all you want about Woodley and Paul this week, but then after that, I'm going to try to avoid it because I will let you know I hate it. I hate it so much. All right, guys, that's it for me this week on the Fights Business Podcast. I know it's a shorter one. Appreciate you hanging in there with me again, given, you know, the last minute technical situation, but I wanted to make sure I got something out this week. You know, I'm, I'm going to knock on wood right here in terms of everything going well next week so that we get back on a normal schedule on Thursdays. That is the plan. Uh, but, you know, make sure you hit me up with any questions or comments you had about this episode. If you want to know more about the threat of substitutes and how that works and Porter's five forces and all that towards the UFC or MMA and all that stuff, let me know. Cause I'd be happy to break that down. Um, but hit, hit me on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, you know, all that stuff more. So Twitter haven't been on Instagram for a while. We got nothing to take pictures of been sick, but you know what to do guys, uh, hit the like button, subscribe button, bell notification. If you're listening on Apple, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, podcast addict anchor any of that thank you so much always appreciate that and until next time guys which will hopefully be next week on time get money